Hello everyone and welcome to Wavelength, the IUVA podcast. My name is Michael Hoffman and I'm a young professional working in the field of water and wastewater treatment. With countries around the world racing to fight the spread of COVID-19, there are a lot of questions going around about the potential role of UV light and its ability to inactivate SARS coronavirus 2, the virus causing the respiratory disease COVID-19. The IUVA recently released a fact sheet on UV disinfection for COVID-19 and has set up a task force to provide needed guidance on the safe and effective use of UV for COVID-19. Today I'm going to be speaking with two members of that task force to see where we are in our current understanding of UV regarding the virus and to get a sense of what the task force is doing now. First, I'm joined by Professor Ron Hoffman. He's a professor in the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering at the University of Toronto and has many years of experience in the application of UV treatment to drinking water and wastewater. Furthermore, he is the current president of the International Ultraviolet Association. Professor Hoffman, thank you so much for joining us. I know this must be a very busy time, so I appreciate that you could make time for this short interview. That's my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the, the questions. Okay. As a researcher in the UV field and the president of the IUVA, what role do you see UV technologies having in the efforts to tackle the coronavirus crisis around the world? Well, I think there's lots of potential, and unfortunately, the use of UV in the, in the healthcare industry in general um, has only recently started to become popular. Um, I think that UV is a more mature technology in other sectors. For instance, uh, for municipal water and wastewater treatment, uh, the technology has been around for, for many years. And as a result, there's a lot of very good science uh, supporting how UV can be applied correctly. And we also know how, to, how it could be incorrectly applied. And there's also a lot of very good regulatory um, infrastructure to guide people about how best to use UV. In the healthcare industry, unfortunately, since it is relatively new, we don't have as much experience on how best to use it and where it can and cannot be used effectively. But I would say that in theory, as well as in practice, we know that UV is a very good disinfectant. We know um, or we suspect that the specific virus causing this pandemic, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, we haven't yet tested that exact virus in terms of its accessibility to UV light, but we've tested very similar viruses, very other types of SARS viruses. And these viruses fortunately seem to be very susceptible to disinfection using UV light in theory. Um, so we know that under ideal conditions, UV light can kill these viruses very effectively. But where we're thinking about using UV light in the hospital setting is for things like being able to disinfect personal protective equipment, like these respirator masks that the nurses and doctors are wearing to protect themselves from the virus. These masks were never meant to be reused. You, you, once they're used once, you assume they're contaminated and then you discard them. Well, there's a shortage of this equipment and so we're thinking of using uv light to disinfect these masks or, or maybe other personal protective equipment and when the viruses are embedded inside this mask material it might be shielded from the uv light and so even though uv light can kill the virus under ideal conditions if this virus is embedded inside material we don't really know 
how effective the UV light might be. And, and this is where the absence of guidelines and lots of good scientific studies is causing problems because we're not 100% certain how well UV light works for that purpose. But like I said, in theory, it can, it can maybe help to clean the personal protective equipment, also surfaces in the hospitals that might be or contaminated, potentially also the air inside. But uh, again, we don't have all of the answers. Are you aware of any technologies or UV applications that have already been adopted for the use against coronavirus? Yeah, so UV is being used already. So even though we, we don't have all of the answers, you know, we, we, in the absence of other solutions, you know, if, if, if the only alternative that the nurses and the doctors have is to just keep reusing their personal protective equipment with no disinfection absolutely. Uh, whatsoever, you know, clearly that's that's not desirable. So even if we don't know how UV should best be applied, we know that some UV is better than nothing. So there are hospitals right now that um, they already had UV treatment devices in their hospitals for, for different purposes. N never before for reusing personal protective equipment, but hospitals have been using UV to try to disinfect surfaces and, and rooms. Um, and so they're converting those devices into treating the personal protective equipment. And we know that it, it works pretty well, but like I say, there's, there's no guarantees, there's no standards, but it's better than nothing. And so the, the hospitals are doing that. And, and, and we, we're pretty sure that it's, it's effective, but we just don't know how effective. Okay. But where do you see the biggest potential for UV applications in, with regard to the coronavirus? Yeah, well, so the immediate one is, like I was saying, it's to be able to reuse personal protective equipment. That, that is by far, I think, the single most important um, uh, phenomenon because, you know, all of the sick people are being concentrated now in, in hospitals and, and there's also like long-term um, uh, uh, care facilities for the elderly people. The, these are the hotspots for where the illnesses are being spread and so the the workers as well as the patients themselves are by far the most vulnerable elements of our society right now and the personal protective equipment is critical um, you know if, if the staff if the, the the staff are getting sick well then we've got nothing left really so we need to find ways of making sure the personal protective equipment is safe to wear is effective and can be reused and there's different ways of cleaning the personal protective equipment. You can use chemical disinfectants. Um, one of the, the alternative, alternatives to ultraviolet light, it's vaporized hydrogen peroxide. Um, another way of doing it is to heat the personal protective equipment up to about 65 or 70 degrees Celsius, ideally under humid conditions. You don't want to make it too hot because that can actually destroy the filters in the masks. But the problem with, with that technology and, and, and the, the chemicals is that, well, especially the chemicals, you need access to the chemicals. The nice thing about ultraviolet light is that once you have the lamp, all you need is electricity and you can keep using the light uh, for, for years. Um, you know, eventually you might have to change the light bulb, but it's, um, you, you don't need access to chemicals. And so in a crisis like this, fortunately it looks like we're, we're, we still have access to electricity. There's no, it doesn't look like that's ever gonna go away, which is, is comforting. And so with electricity, you kind of have an infinite ability to keep using the ultraviolet system. So, 
um, I, I see that th this is the, the big place where ultraviolet can help us with coronavirus. It's in disinfecting uh, personal protective equipment first and foremost, but then more generally, you know, maybe if we can uh, use it to, to disinfect uh, air and surfaces, that's also important. Yeah, and you mentioned before already that uh, we don't know how, uh, for example, masks or personal protective equipment uh, reacts to the UV light. Are there any other barriers or concerns that you have for UV treatment of uh, medical supplies? Yeah, well, so the biggest, well, in terms of barriers, um, you know, the, la the lack of regulations, that, that's, that's a key one because if you're, if you're the person for your hospital who's responsible for acquiring equipment, and you, you don't and you're not an expert in uv how do you know which equipment to buy you know you, and right now any vendor of equipment could potentially advertise a system but it won't have been tested by the government because there are no tests really um the government's trying to scramble right now to come up with some quick tests to get some control over this but really it's a situation where it's just buyer beware um Organizations like the International UV Association have some preliminary information on our websites to try to guide people about what questions to ask or what to look for when buying UV equipment for the, the healthcare industry. Um, but that's the biggest barrier or need, I think, is just the lack of, of uh, guidelines. Um, but in terms of other um, barriers or concerns, um, there are people just in the general public that are looking at uh, acquiring ultraviolet uh, technology just to use around their household, for example, to try to keep things clean and sterile in their household. And we have to uh, be aware that the ultraviolet light, in order to be effective against the microorganisms, it has to be at wavelengths that actually are dangerous to human beings. You know, you can burn your skin. If you look at the UVC light, it can burn your eyes. And so, um, there's lots of health and safety precautions that have to be very carefully adhered to um, by anybody, even like the hospital staff as well, have to realize that the UV light is, is dangerous if not used properly. Yeah, so you talked about the lack of uh, regulation and also the dangers. So with regard to that, where do you see the role of the IUVA in this crisis? Well, I, th I think it comes down to gathering information and then disseminating it uh, appropriately. So uh, there's people in the association right now that are, are, are knowledgeable about this topic and they're having uh, very regular meetings to try to gather all of the relevant information, all of the latest science. There's, there's scientists that are publishing new information almost daily on this crisis and we're trying to keep track of all of this and consolidate it and then put it on our website and also disseminate it to newspapers and the media just so that um, correct messages about how best to use UV light during this pandemic can, can be uh, issued to the public and to the stakeholders in the industry. So I think that we're, we're trying to be a reputable and knowledgeable source of of this type of information. So we're not, we're not a government agency. We, we can't issue official guidelines, but we can point people to the, the, the right direction for where to get reputable information. And this information, where can people find it? 
So on the, the UV, IUVA website uh, is one source, and, but I would also say that uh, you know, a lot of the times we're pointing people to organizations like the Centers for Disease Control in the United States or the United States Food and Drug Administration, um, other governments. I know uh, just off the top of my head, the Canadian and the Dutch government are issuing guidelines for how to try to reuse these, this personal protective equipment and they, they're giving some suggestions for how ultraviolet light could possibly be used. So um, these are, are good sources of information for people to go to. All right, then thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate that you took the time to speak to us. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Next, I'm here with Dr. Ted Mao. He's a professional engineer and directed research and innovation at Trojan Technologies for over 14 years as research vice president and later the chief technology officer. He is now an independent consultant and also president at MW Technologies Incorporated. He is currently leading the IUVA task force on COVID-19 and vice president of the IUVA America. Dr. Mao, thanks so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Can you give me a short overview of the task force structure and the group's focus areas? Uh, I'll be glad to. So, um, Michael, uh, this task force, uh, IUVA COVID-19 uh, task force was formed recently. Uh, I'm honored to be asked by IUVA to coordinate this task force. Uh, we're working with uh, passionate, uh, committed uh, people around the world including academics, uh, technology providers, uh, medical professionals, regulators, and uh, others uh, to provide uh, timely responses uh, and advices on UV applications based on best available science. So uh, through our task force uh, discussions, uh, there were three topics uh, which were identified and uh, we felt uh, these three topics are most relevant to the UV applications uh, in the current uh, 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 pandemic. The first one is the uh, UV dose response of uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, virus. Uh, the goal uh, of this subgroup is to develop uh, an estimate of the dose required uh, to inactivate uh, this virus based on best available science. Uh, the second subgroup uh, is based on uh, the uh, needs to assess the efficacy of uh, UV devices, technologies on treating surfaces. The third area is the most uh, acute and uh, urgent topic uh, is the uh, N95 mask decontamination process. Uh, in, uh, the goal is to provide uh, a recommendation uh, on N95 mask decontamination process uh, based uh, on UV technologies and could also be UV combined with other technologies. Okay, so it's like a standard protocol for medical professionals to follow in the disinfection process. I would say it's uh, uh, more an advice to oh. the uh, community based on uh, a step established literature and uh, protocols uh, which are being developed uh, uh, as we speak. Okay, and for, these, uh, for this task force, uh, these focus areas, how were they chosen? So 
Very good question. Um, the overall uh, IUVA COVID-19 task force uh, is uh, based on a group of volunteers. And uh, again, I'm very grateful uh, about the uh, enthusiasm and the commitment from uh, more than 30 professionals uh, around the world uh, participating in the, the task force. Uh, so there is no rigorous selection process. It's really based on expert opinion. Um, it actually was not difficult to prioritize these three areas. Uh, it was a quite quickly um, through the uh, discussions uh, among these professionals to feel these three areas are really uh, critical areas to address some of the short-term uh, needs, such as the N95 mask decontamination, as well as some of the medium and long-term needs, again, such as uh, uh, surface disinfection, uh, efficacy protocol, uh, or the uh, UV dose response. And we are getting a lot of questions uh, about how effective UV is for inactivating this SARS coronavirus 2. So what is uh, the current understanding of how effective UV is for this virus? I personally am not aware of a direct uh, uh, UV dose response data on this exact virus. Uh, however, uh, based on the literature, um, there are uh, similar coronaviruses uh, which have been tested using the uh, uh, UVC. And uh, for example, the, uh, the MERS COV and the, the SARS COV 1. Uh, there have been uh, publications and literature. And also, scientists have looked into the similarity uh, among different uh, uh, COV viruses. This SARS COV 2 uh, or the uh, COVID 19 virus. Uh, has a significant similarity to uh, some of the other uh, coronaviruses I just mentioned. Uh, and uh, so the uh, estimate of the UV dose response uh, of uh, COVID-19 virus is, re uh, I think, reasonably based on uh, the literature and uh, dose responses of the similar uh, uh, coronaviruses. So my understanding of the coronaviruses, they are uh, enveloped uh, viruses, which means uh, they have uh, an outer layer, uh, has the, the protein and uh, other uh, materials, and uh, which is a good news for UV disinfection, because uh, in general, the understanding is that the non-enveloped uh, viruses, such as uh, ad adenovirus, which is a uh, a common uh, uh, target for water treatment uh, would typically have a, a higher resistance and a more uh, requiring higher dose to, to treat. So the, the, the consensus, at least in the community, in the academic community, scientific community, uh, is uh, this COVID-19 virus is, uh, uh, is not difficult to inactivate by UV compared to uh, some of the other viruses, like, uh, like a non-enveloped uh, non viruses. And uh, uh, it's uh, uh, a good news for UV to be effective. So that's based on uh, studies, analysis, uh, and uh, also observations. 
and uh, I do believe there are data uh, and uh, information available on uh, UV uh, effectiveness in general for the COVID-19 virus. Uh, as I said, I just have not seen the direct dose response data. So I can imagine that would be one of the first tasks of the, of the task force to uh, collect more knowledge on UV regarding the current virus. That's correct. And the, the other, so, so that's the, at the fundamental level, uh, the question around how effective uh, the UV, uh, UVC on the specific virus. But yeah. there are many, many other layers which need to be considered uh, when a technology being used and uh, assessed. For example, if the light does not uh, properly penetrate or does not uh, get to the surface or get to the corners properly or does not hit, the uh, virus target, then uh, it will not render any effect. Uh, so the uh, proper engineering, proper application uh, of the technology is uh, extremely uh, important. Uh, and now we're dealing with some of the newer applications uh, around the surfaces, for example, uh, and uh, whether it's a, it's a non-porous surface like plastics, metal surface versus a, uh, fiber, uh, fibers, or, or you know, porous uh, materials, cloth, uh, you name it, uh, yes. and that they are, uh, or maybe the good question is masks, right? So yeah. the N95 masks uh, have uh, many different layers uh, with different type of materials. So would the UV uh, penetrate through these materials, and uh, if you do have virus embedded? Uh, inside of the mask. So how do you get light there and how do you provide the adequate dose uh, into the masks? So again, those are all the very uh, relevant, very important questions to answer. So if uh, people want to find out more, where can they go for more information on the effectiveness of UV or for disinfection procedures in general? Uh, I would say uh, the quickest, easiest way is go to the IUVA website uh, yeah. just, or uh, to go to uh, Google and try to, or uh, Google uh, Scholar, uh, type in the keywords. You can see a lot of uh, 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 materials information there. Uh, I think also uh, uh, the intent of this task force is to provide uh, as accurate information as possible because these days, uh, there are uh, so much information and uh, there could be uh, misleading or even misguiding information out there uh, in the yeah, public. Problem, so, so I think that that's, that's, uh, that's the goal for uh, a professional association like IUVA uh, and uh, the uh, task uh, force. Uh, and I have to also uh, commend the uh, active involvement of the uh, young professional uh, group uh, like uh, like Michael, you and your colleagues, yeah. uh, you have uh, been playing a tremendously helpful role. Uh, so each uh, task force subgroup has uh, a designated uh, YP colleague uh, to help, to support. Uh, but more importantly, I do believe the YP group is uh, taking a leadership role uh, in uh, uh, helping uh, provide uh, the accurate information. Uh, and ultimately, I believe uh, our uh, our integrity uh, and our information will gain trust uh, by public and to to be a trusted source 
of information. So that's extremely important for us to, to continue doing that work. Yeah, that would be great. So that people have a reliable source and not only the news or Facebook that they have to rely on. So Dr. Mao, thank you so much for joining us. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of the busy schedule right now to speak with me. And it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. It was very informative. Uh, you're very welcome, uh, Michael. Uh, I'm really glad uh, we, uh, we had this conversation. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, IUVA COVID-19 task group is very active. Uh, it's an it's a open group. So it, we do have a, a small process procedure, but uh, it's open to uh, uh, scientists, professionals. Uh, and uh, if there are any questions, uh, please uh, contact uh, our task force group. Thank you, Michael. All right, that's it for today. The IUVA website is constantly being updated with new information and resources on UV disinfection for COVID-19. The IUVA Young Professionals Committee will also be sharing these resources at IUVAYP on Facebook, Twitter and WeChat. Wavelength comes to you from the International Ultraviolet Association. The show is produced by Dana Pusti, Nathan Moore does our sound design and our music is by Justin Dosset and Stephanie Gora of Almost Lovers. I'm Michael Hoffman, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and keep checking out the podcast for more news from the UV world.